I'm excited as we're diving back into the year-long series that we're doing, studying the entire Bible, and we're breaking this one up into better. Jesus does make our life better, and so we're going to be talking about how your life can be made better by a relationship with Christ as well. And if you're new here, we'd love to give you a copy of the story. Again, it's an abridged copy of the Bible in chronological order. Just stop by our welcome desk on the way out, our welcome center. We'd love to give you one of those um, on, we, just as a gift from us. Uh, we've read through the Old Testament right before the summer. We took some time off in the summer to do some other things. And so we're jumping back in the New Testament today with the birth of Jesus. So it's kind of like Christmas all over again, right in the middle of the summer. And so uh, we were to have read chapter 22 for this week. And so I'll invite you to read chapter 23 for next week. We're going to be in the life and story of Jesus for the next several weeks. And that's going to be an exciting time. Also, uh, just uh, thrilled that this afternoon at 2.30 uh, at St. Andrew's United Methodist Church here in South Charlotte, one of our sister churches, we're going to be having a town hall meeting in which I'm going to be sharing with you what our new building is going to look like. And I'm so excited to show you that. Uh, this has been five years in the making. If you've been by our property across the street from the South Park Mall, you'll see there's a lot of dirt over there being moved. And so we're excited about that. And we're going to share with you uh, the exteriors of the, of the campus today. So we'll hope you come uh, at 2.30. It's going to be in the sanctuary at St. Andrew's United Methodist Church. And then we'll have, if you're able to stay for the children's program after, that's going to be special as well. So a really big day in the life of our church. And I know it's a big week. A lot of people going back to school. I hope that goes well for for everyone. Uh, but uh, before I, I jump back into the New Testament, the Bible today, uh, let's just have a quick recap uh, of what we've read this past week. When I was a teenager, I went to one of the action-adventure kind of movies that was out in the late 80s, and uh, the action hero guy was kind of a fish out of water. He'd come from another country to America, and his girlfriend had gotten kidnapped by this uh, gang of drug dealers, and this was in New York City, and they'd taken her into like this big mansion kind of fortress somewhere off uh, right outside of New York City, and, and he was on his own trying to figure out how he could try to save his girlfriend from these super bad guys, and he met a guy that uh, they connected with, and, and this, this connection helped him get in front of the leader of one of the, the most infamous street gangs that was going on in, in New York City at the time, and it was made up of a group of young people, and uh, he was admitted access to kind of like where they hung out. It's kind of like a nightclub kind of scene and kind of this hip, trendy place, but it was all full of these young gangsters, and so his job was to try to convince them to go with him to storm this fortress to help break his girlfriend out. And, of course, they're just kind of laughing at him, like, what's in it for us? That's very dangerous, and, you know, why should we help you? And they're probably a little, you know, skeptical that he might be but some undercover police officer or FBI agent, so they weren't very helpful in saying that they were going to help him go and rescue his girlfriend. So he was a pretty smart guy, though, and, and he knew how to play off of their egos. And so he looked at one of them and said, well, so what did you do last night? And the guy said, nothing. You know, maybe assuming, again, he's undercover police officer looking for some kind of trap to say, hey, you know, we did something illegal, so we wasn't going to fall for that. He says, we did nothing. So the action hero looked at him, kind of scratched his chin and said, huh. So that's what cool is in New York City, huh? Sitting around, big gangster doing nothing, Right. What if, though, tomorrow someone asks you, what did you do last night? You could say, nothing. Or you could say, yeah, we helped go with this lunatic, break his girlfriend out of a fortress, right? What do you want to be able to say tomorrow? 
So, of course, that spoke to all their egos, and they ended up going with him to storm the fortress and help rescue the, the girlfriend from the other bad guys. And so, uh, and so the next night, they had a different story, a better story that they could tell, that they actually stormed a fortress with a lunatic. Now, I'm guessing and hoping that none of us have had our significant other kidnapped by a drug gang. I hope that's not the case for you. And I'm hoping that we don't know what it's like to be in a street gang in New York City. Uh, But maybe, maybe just maybe, we might identify with the one young man who, when asked, what did you do last night, said nothing. How many of us sometimes in our lives, when we think about our lives, we just think that nothing exciting is happening? Nothing fun's going on. Nothing good's happening. And so if someone was to ask us, how's your life going? What's, what's been going on? How many of us would say, absolutely nothing. It's just so boring and dull. I wish someone exciting would come into my life and give me an exciting story. Or maybe sometimes somebody would ask us, you know, how's it going in your life? What have you been up to? We would say nothing, but we would follow it with the, with the phrase, nothing good. Nothing really good has been happening in my life right now. I'm I'm knee-deep in debt. I'm up to my ears in debt. I'm battling an addiction. I've been in this relationship that just fell apart, and my heart has been ripped out and stomped on. Or I'm struggling, you know, connecting with my kids or with my parents or my best friend. We've had this falling out. My job stinks. I'm in this dead-end job. I have to work with all these people that don't appreciate me. Or, man, I've just been really feeling sick lately. My body's kind of breaking down just... How many of us sometimes just could say that nothing good has been going on in our lives? And we would love for someone to come into our life and help us have a better story, to have something better to say, to say, man, I had an amazing day, or I I can't wait to tell you about what's happening at work, or these awesome things are happening in my family, or man, this relationship's the best thing that it's ever been. For all of us who would answer the question, nothing's exciting happening in our life or nothing good is happening in our life, is there a possibility that someone could come into our life and give us a better story, something to celebrate, something to to give us meaning, something that makes us want to get out of bed in the morning and be excited for life? Is there someone who could come in and give us a better story so that we don't have to answer the question, what's going on with nothing or nothing good? If we're in that predicament or or we have been or we could see that it might lead to that, then we're in the right place because I've got good news for you today because there is someone who can come into our lives and give us a better story, and that's Jesus Christ. And I'm so excited to talk about him and what he means and to get to the New Testament and, and see what the story of Jesus is all about right here today in 21st century here in the South Park community because Jesus will make our lives better if we allow him to. But we, before we get into all the Jesus stuff, we kind of need to see where we've been over the past year as we've, we've dived into the, New, into the Old Testament. And, and if you're the first time here today and you haven't read with us, that's okay. I want to try to catch up to speed on what we've been doing and what we've been talking about. We've been talking about how humans and God relate to each other. We've studied how God created humanity and God created us in God's image, which is good. So not only do we look good, but, but we have the ability to do good things in the world, to, to create things, to love people, to forgive people, to make the world a better place. And so we're created in God's image, and that's an incredibly good thing. 
God gave us uh, the, the earth to live in, and he charged us to take good care of that. And, and the reason God created us was to be in relationships, to be in relationships with God and to be in relationships with each other. So we love God and we love people just as we love ourselves in healthy ways. And, and that's God's plan for us. And so many of us are able to do good things and we make the world a better place and we're in good relationships and we contribute to the world and society and we make good choices. But God also gave us the freedom to choose to do the wrong thing and not to follow God. And so all of us choose to do that at some point in our lives, some more than others. And so while we're able to do good and to do great things, we're also able to completely screw them up and, and make a mess of our lives and mess up other people's lives that we care about. And, and that traces all the way back to the first humans and it comes all the way to us today. And it'll be with humans probably as long as we are, are on the earth. And when we mess up like that, then we, we bring in consequences. We understand what it means to feel guilt and to be ashamed and to have shame in our life. And we understand what it's like to, to, to be cut off from God and from each other. And so we're separated in, in, in relationships that are broken or, or estranged. We, we're going to die one day because we've been cut off from the tree of life that God first offered to humanity because of our, our disobedience to God. And, and so we've got all this junk that we're carrying around with us. And, and God saw that. And God said, this is not why I created you. This is not why, uh, you know, you've been created to be here. I want, to, I want better for your life. And so as soon as the first humans messed it all up, then, then God launched a plan to win us back. And we've been reading about that plan in the Old Testament. And, and how it unfolded in the Old Testament was God said this. He said, I want us to be in a relationship. I want us to enter into an agreement, into a covenant, into some kind of this, this holy agreement. And here's what I'm going to do. He says, if you will do these things, uh, then I am going to take care of you. I'm going to give you some commands and I want you to follow them. It's going to set you apart from the rest of the world because you're going to live differently than the rest of the world. People will know that you're my people and I'm going to take care of you and you'll be a light to the rest of the world. Israel, you will show the world how to relate to me. And so God sent commandments to a man named Moses. We've probably heard of 10 of them, the 10 commandments, but there are actually 613 commands. Some of them say, don't do this, and some of them say, do this. And so the people of Israel were charged to, to follow these commandments, and that was a way for us to take a step back to God. The old covenant, the old agreement, right? The old story. And so the people of Israel sometimes were able to get that right. Some of their leaders, the kings, were able to get that right. And they went through periods of time where things were just great in the, in the land of Israel. But a lot of times the people of Israel and their rulers chose to disobey God. And, and things didn't go so well. And they were taken over by other countries. And they were at each other's throats. And they had civil war. And they hurt each other. And so for most of the Old Testament, it's not going so well. So God would send people called prophets who are spokespersons to the people of Israel and say, hey guys, you've fallen off from the agreement. We need you to come back and, and do what God has asked you to do. And sometimes they would come back and do well and, and sometimes they wouldn't. So it's this back and forth, back and forth for thousands of years in the Old Testament. Um, God's just trying to be in this right relationship with us. So the, the Old Testament comes and there's, there's like this 400 year period of silence where we don't have anything written down from God between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And the people of Israel, you know, have this mixed track record, but they're, they're still just not where they need to be. They're still not completely in that right relationship with God. Something's missing. 
And so now God is ready to start uh, the next chapter of his story in which he is going to try to win us back to him. And instead of it being based on rules and sacrifices, it's going to be based on a relationship with his son Jesus, who he sends into the world. And so we're going to have a new agreement. We're going to have a new covenant. We're going to have a new story to where our way back to God is, is, is not so much in keeping rules, but being in a relationship with God's Son, Christ. And that, that's where we catch up today as we read about and we watched on the video the birth of Jesus. God sent His Son, God Himself, into the world to give us a way back to God. And it happens by God becoming a human. So Jesus stayed uh, 100% God. He was also 100% human. I know that doesn't add up, but that's God's math for you. And so Jesus came into the world to show us a way back to God. And so today we're kind of celebrating Christmas in the middle of the summer. So I want to read to you from the Gospel of Luke. A gospel means the good news of Jesus. It's the first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We're going to read from Luke's Gospel today. After Jesus has been born in Bethlehem, there's going to be, uh, the story's going to get out, and we're going to pick up the story where the first people hear about this birth of Jesus. So we're going to be in Luke's Gospel, chapter 2, beginning with verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. So shepherds were like the blue-collar workers of the day. They took care of the sheep, didn't have a lot of money. It was a livelihood. They're kind of outside of Bethlehem, and an angel, right, is getting ready to come and see them. Verse 9, an angel of the Lord uh, appeared to them. An angel simply means a messenger of God. In this case, it's a supernatural messenger. It's like this, you know, this amazing being that's come to the, to the people. And usually when angels show up, people are scared to death of them because they look angelic. Uh, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Right? But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. The people of Israel had been waiting for a Messiah. Right, the, the leader to come and to lead them back to God and to lead their country to make it a stronger place. They've been waiting and waiting and waiting for the Messiah. And now the angel says, I bring you the good news of great joy. Right? Don't be afraid. Today in the town of, death, of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This is the one you're waiting for. Right? The story's getting ready to have a new chapter. There's going to be a new story for you. This will be assigned to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great host, uh, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. And when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. So the shepherds received the first message that the Messiah has come, right? This, the Son of God, the Savior, the one who's going to lead the people of Israel, lead them back to God. It's happening right here in front of them, and they can go be a part of that. And so the shepherds go, and, and they see the baby Jesus, and, and they go, and they hear this good news. And so they're the first ones to begin to experience the new covenant, the New Testament, the new story that God says to the people of Israel, I have a better story for you than, than following and breaking the law. I want to be in a personal relationship with you. I have sent my son himself into the world to lead you back to me. Right? So it all happens right here. 
Jesus has come right, to give us a better story. And what happens is, um, in the Old Testament, when people messed up and they didn't keep all those 613 commands, the way that they were made right with God was that they had to make a sacrifice. They had to give up something that was of value to them. And in those days, what was sacrificed was animals. It was their livelihood. The blood of their animals represented the blood of their life. And so something had to pay for their wrongdoing. And so whenever they messed up, they had to offer an animal to the priest to sacrifice to God. But what kept happening was they kept messing up. They kept sacrificing animals and having all the guilt and shame and all that kind of stuff. So God is finally ready to say enough is enough. There's going to be one sacrifice that's going to end all sacrifices. And that's going to be my son, Jesus. So in the next few weeks, we're going to see Jesus' life and his teachings and his miracles. We're going to, we're going to talk about his death and resurrection. But, but for now, what's important is, is Jesus is going to become the sacrifice that ends all sacrifices. So when Jesus allows himself to be killed on the cross, he takes all of humanity's, the people who live then, the people who live now, who will live in the future, he takes all of their guilt, all of our shame, our guilt, our separation from each other, our separation from God, our death. He takes it all upon himself. He doesn't deserve it. He takes it upon himself and he defeats it all. When he comes back to life and instead of guilt and shame, he offers us joy and peace. He offers us life to the full as long as we live on the earth. And he offers us eternal life into eternity if we receive him into our lives. And so Jesus comes to be the sacrifice that ends all sacrifices so that we can live great lives. We can live life to the full. We can have joy and peace. We can let go of our baggage and all that junk. And we can look forward to living forever with God in eternity in these wonderful relationships because that's why Jesus came. It's God's new story, God's new covenant. It's God's new agreement with us. And it's not rules-based. It's relationship-based. And it's a, it's a relationship between us and Jesus. And so the so what today, so what's important, so what's the point, so what's the big deal, so what, how does this affect my life? I think, it, I think it's this, is that Jesus offers us a better story. It's not based on rules. It's not doing the right or the wrong thing. We, we still are called to live a right, relation, a right life, but it's through our relationship with Christ. And so if you've been going through life and you're just tired of carrying around a lot of baggage, Jesus has a new story for you. If you're tired of wrestling with guilt and shame, and some of it you might have had recently or some of it might be lifelong, Jesus says, let it go. If you're looking to live life to the full and find out what the meaning of your life is, to find out the purpose of why you've been created, Jesus says, I've come to give you a new story. If, if you want to help other people and make the world a better place, if you want to live with God in all of eternity, Jesus came to give us a better story. He offers us a better story. And all we have to do is to accept it. And if you do anything this week, if it's right now, that would be my prayer for you is to accept this new story that Jesus offers, right? A new page in the chapter, a new chapter in the book, an entire new book for us. Jesus came to offer us a new story. I would ask that you would consider accepting that. So Jesus, I'm tired of living my story without you. I, I want joy and I want peace and I want life to the full and I want to live in eternity. I want to have strong relationships and I, I'm tired of guilt and shame and regret and all this just junk, Lord. I want to leave it behind. I'm so sorry for not following you. Please, God, come in and give me a new story. He will do that for us. And that is the good news today, that Jesus comes to give us a new story. But it doesn't just stop with us, right? 
right? And, and by the way, you know, when, when Jesus was living and, and even still today, when he was on the earth and even today, a lot of people thought he was a lunatic, right? Because he thought he was the son of God and he talked about dying and coming back to life. And so, you know, you, you think about following a lunatic and storming the kingdom of heaven. That's exactly what I'm asking you to do is follow a lunatic and storm the kingdom of heaven because God has come to give us a new story. But not just to give us a, us a better story, but to help us give other people a better story. So today's kind of like Christmas in, in August because we're talking about the birth of Jesus. And uh, one thing that we do here in December at Christmas Eve uh, in our church, we have a tradition over the past five or six years, is that is we have a special offering for, on Christmas Eve uh, that we give 100% away. It goes outside of the church, and it, it, goes to, it goes to ministries and charities that we think are doing good things in our area or, or in the world. And, and this is our way of giving Jesus a birthday present. Because on Christmas... It's not our birthday, but we get all the presents. And so our goal is to say, hey, Jesus, it's your birthday. He's hard to shop for because he has everything. And so we want to give you a gift, though. We want to give you a Christmas birthday present. And so we want to we give of our money, Lord, to help people have better stories in our community and in our world. And so we challenge each other to, you know, whoever you're spending the most money on for Christmas to give the same amount to Jesus. Some people even say, Every dollar that you're spending for the entire Christmas to match that and, and give that to Jesus. And so we've had a lot of generous people give to our Christmas Eve offerings to make other people have the opportunity to have better stories. We've launched, helped launch two churches in North Carolina that specifically target people who are living in, in physical poverty, financial poverty, and who are struggling, battling diseases and addictions to alcohol and to drugs. We've, we've helped uh, feed and house uh, the homeless here in Charlotte. We have helped rescue over 100 women who have been enslaved in human trafficking here in our city in Charlotte. We've helped rescue them and get them into care to get them a new story, a better story, and to live their lives. And so uh, we're putting our money where our mouth is when it comes to Christmas Eve and giving back to Jesus. Last year's Christmas Eve offering, 2017, we had a record giving year for us at Christmas Eve. We had over $70,000 come in. We gave half of that to New Story Church in Winston-Salem. It's a, it's a new church plant. They've already uh, have three campuses and uh, they minister with people who are in poverty and battling addiction. And so our money's going to help them create a medical clinic in their community in a poor area of Winston-Salem to where people can come and get free medical care. And it's just incredible. And so that is underway. The other side of that, we took $35,000 and we gave it to the Ballantine Rotary Club here in Charlotte, South Charlotte. Uh, and, and they matched that. Every dollar we gave, they gave $2.50. So our $35,000 became $123,000. And what we're doing is we're going with a Christian nonprofit out of Charleston, South Carolina, and we're going to give people in Haiti clean water. We're in two and three different communities down in Haiti, and we're going to give them clean water with that. And here's why we're going to do that. 2,300 people will die today in the world and die every day. 2,300 people will die today because they don't have access to clean water. And you know how they're going to die? They're going to die through bad, terrible cases of diarrhea. That's like the worst way to die. It's horrific. So 2,300 people, most of them will be children, will die today because they don't have access to clean water. Well, that makes us angry. 
that gets under our skin, that breaks our hearts. And so we gave big at Christmas Eve last year, and, and we are going to be in Haiti, and we already are underway in Haiti, finding these places where we're going to dig these wells and pipe in the water to these communities that don't have clean water. And not only are we going to help them physically survive and thrive and live, but we're doing it through a Christian organization, through a Christian school and a Christian church on the ground in Haiti. And so when people ask, why are you doing this? We're going to tell them because Jesus Christ loves you and he died for you and he came back to life for you so that you can live a better story. And we were going to start by giving you water. And we're going to talk to you about the living water, the spiritual water of Jesus that can be within you. Uh, and it's a thirst uh, that you'll never have again because Jesus cleanses that thirst. And so it's just this amazing thing. So I'm excited today to share with you that we, we, we sent two pioneers from our church, Hal and Melissa, who are very active in our church. They're in this service today. I'm super excited to have them. They went down as pioneers on behalf of our congregation with the folks from the Rotary Club uh, from Ballantyne, and they scouted out around Haiti where we think God's calling us to bring the clean water, to dig the wells, that sort of thing. And so I want to show you a little bit of Hal and Melissa's story about how we're trying to make people's lives better through the power. Of Jesus Christ. Check this out. South Park Church partnered with Ballantine Rotary Club, which fuels the partnership with water missions in Haiti. South Park Church raised a lot of money on our Christmas Eve offering, and I wanted to go see what that was going to do. There wasn't any kind of like pre planned service project, not having any knowledge of how to build a well or the engineering experience. We were just going to see the amazing things the funding has done in these communities. We went to recently completed job sites where you see a well and there's people drinking clean water out of it and right next to that is the gutter where they used to get their water that's just a trough that's muddy and nasty. Clean water nourishes them, it helps them cook their food, it helps them clean their clothes, it helps them clean themselves, it brings a sense of pride in their community. It really provides an ongoing source of water, not just a, hey, we built it and we walk away. Right, they definitely empower the community to manage the site themselves, because we want them to have ownership of these locations and to take pride in their work and be able to provide for their community. And you realize, wow, that, that really made a difference. And now we have three new job sites right. that we're going to use our money specifically for to help people. Going to BNA is doable by anybody. But if you can't go, there are plenty of ways that God is working wonders in this community. God always uses unlikely people to accomplish amazing things. And I was on the fence about going on this trip because I didn't want to miss work and I didn't want to go far away. And I thought, you know, I'm not an engineer. I don't know how to build a well. But I feel like when I got there, it was so worthwhile going. And I would say to people, if you're on the fence, go. Yeah. The relationships are the most important thing. The prayers that you'll bring to these people, the prayers they'll say for you and lay hands on you, yeah. is so rewarding, I can't even describe it. I thought I was going to go there and witness to the Haitian people, and that I was going to go there and my presence was going to help them. But I walked away realize that the people in Bionese Haiti witnessed to me. And it was just amazing to see these people are just like us and they love God just as much as we do and they deserve the opportunity 
to live lives with clean water. People out in these mountain towns, they feel forgotten. And their government doesn't help them. There's nobody else there for them. So when you show up, if you're not a doctor or engineer, it's okay. They just want to talk to you. They want to know that people care about them, that somebody's praying for them. And we are doing good work. And I think our monetary donations, we're seeing a concrete result. We're going to help them one community at a time. Let's give God some praise and thanksgiving for that. Your generosity makes this possible because we believe in our church, South Park Church, we believe in helping people live better lives because Jesus has done that for us. And so I would like to challenge all of you to do one thing this week for the people of Haiti. I'm going to name several things, and I just want you to pick at least one thing out to continue to do something for the people of Haiti as we're establishing what we see as a long-term relationship uh, with the people of Haiti through this Christian church, through this Christian school that we're working with. Uh, what I'm going to say to you, you can find it all on our website, southparkchurch.com. Go to the outreach page so you don't have to worry about taking notes, but just maybe listen to what might resonate with you and then visit the website later. So our take home today, right, Jesus came to give us, to offer us a better story. We want to help offer other people a better story. And so here's several ways. I just invite you to do at least one thing this week for the people of Haiti and consider doing that moving forward. The first thing is to pray, to pray for the people of Haiti, uh, specifically our water projects. And so right now we're, we found at least two places that we're starting. I've got a picture of one of those. It's, called, it's a place called Gimby. We're starting to, to drill and to find the water where we're going to dig the well. So that's going along very well. There's another one that we're looking at. It's up in the mountains where people live uh, and there's water there, but we've got we to send an elaborate pipe system to get to the clean water and make it clean. And so if you'll begin to, uh, to pray for these two places in Haiti, uh, that God will help us find that, that water source and that God will open the hearts of the people, uh, not only to, to give them water, but to give them Christ and to give them the living water of Jesus. So everybody can pray. If you don't know anything else, just you can pray. If you'd like to send supplies to the people of Haiti, to some of these communities that we're serving, to the school and the church that, that we're beginning to support there, uh, there's, a, there's a group of, of Christian churches around Charlotte that, that are kind of supporting the same area. Uh, and every so often what, what we'll do is we'll buy a school bus, an old school bus from our school systems around the area, Charlotte Mecklenburg or Union County. Uh, and we fill the bus full of supplies like food, like non-perishable food, clothes, school supplies, things like that. Uh, someone will then fill the bus up all the way full. Someone will drive it down to Florida, put it on a boat. It goes to Haiti. They, they get it down there through customs. They drive it back to the village. They give out all the goods, and then they use the bus as kind of like a taxi or it's a, it's a school bus to get kids to school. So it's a really neat thing. So right now there's a bus moving around different churches in Charlotte. Um, if you want to find out where it's going to be next and what supplies you can go and literally put on the bus yourself, fill the bus up. So if you want to help supply kids for school or food for families, you can do that as well. Another thing that we can do that we're, we're being a part of is to sponsor a child in the school uh, and the church that we're supporting in Bayonne, Haiti, uh, and that's $40 a month. $40 a month, and, and that gives them their education. It also gives them probably the only hot meal of the day that they will receive, uh, and that's going to be through the school and through the church. And I just want to show you a picture of the student that my family has adopted. We, we've been with this young man. His name is Ezekiel. Uh, we've had him for several years, and Ezekiel is uh, 16 years old. 
Uh, he's studying to be an agronomist, which means he's going to deal with soil and crops. Uh, he's one of six children, ranging from the age of 3 to 24, and lives with his parents in a small stone house with a tin roof. And he walks to school one way 25 minutes every day, and he walks back home 25 minutes. And uh, his father is a mason, and his mother is a trader. She tries to do some trading in the local market there. And it's such a joy to receive letters from him uh, and to write letters uh, to him with my wife and my two boys who were first grade and fifth grade and establishing an international relationship. And it's just special to know that we're able to help someone else live a better story, make a better life, all because Jesus uh, has been good to us and has, has put us in, in, in his path. And so any one of us can do that. You, you can go online, we'll get you the links, and you can choose a child to support, and it's really special. But the other thing that you can consider doing is we're going back to Haiti, and I'm going this time, uh, and I know that I think Hal and Melissa are going back, and, and we want others to come with us. And that's going to be in March of 2019. It's going to be the end of March 2019. And uh, you don't have to have any special skills. You don't have to be able to dig or wield a hammer. Uh, the only thing that we would ask you to do is to be relational, to talk to the people of Haiti, share some love with them, get to know them, let them get to know you, because what we're doing is we're trying to build long-term relationships where we get to know people, we care about them, we keep in touch, we pray for, and we support them as best we can. And so those are several ways that you can go to our website, and I'm asking you to do at least one thing for the people of Haiti this week that will hopefully become an ongoing relationship between you and someone in Haiti because God has crossed our paths together through this Christmas Eve offering and we want to help the people of Haiti have better stories because Jesus has given us better stories and that's powerful. And brothers and sisters, if we all are to do this, then we can change entire communities, not just in South Park, but in, in Haiti. And we've seen the power of what happens when we come together. When we come together in Christmas Eve offering, we give away a lot of money. And because of that, we're starting a medical clinic in North Carolina, and we're going we're gonna to bring entire communities in Haiti clean water where 2,300 people don't have to die today because of your generosity and because of Jesus. What have you been up to? What's your life? What's going on in your life right now? What, what's your church up to? I'm so glad that the answer to that doesn't have to be nothing or nothing good. When someone asks you, what have you been up to or what's your church been up to? I hope you'll be excited to say that I am storming the gates of the kingdom of God with a crazy lunatic named Jesus and it's awesome and that he has changed my life and I'm going to give my life to him right now. I'm going to rededicate my life to him because I want to fall into the kingdom of God. I want a better story. Jesus has given me a better story. And this Jesus has helped me give other people a better story. Let me tell you, we're going to make sure that 2,300 people don't die today because they have access to clean water. We are saving entire communities of people, entire villages of people, because we believe that Jesus wants others to have a better story. So our story, the answer to that is not, what have you been up to? Nothing or nothing good. It's that we have better stories and we're giving better stories to others because of Jesus. Now that is a Christmas present. That is a Christmas miracle in the summer of August, brothers and sisters. Allow Jesus to give you a better story. Allow Jesus to work with us to give other people better stories. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.